Hey friends, we hope this message from C3 Fort Worth helps you see Jesus like never before. And if you're in or around Fort Worth, we'd love to meet you on a Sunday or at one of our weekly dinner parties. If you want to turn to Revelations chapter 1, Revelation, not plural, Revelation chapter 1, uh, we're going to start our series on the end times. Um, just joking, we're not doing that. Uh, so, so you're like, 2020, we've already been through it. We don't really need to read it. Um, Revelation chapter, some of you are like, oh, shoot. Finally made it to church, and that's what happened this week. Only after our series on tithing. All right. Revelation chapter 1. Um, how awesome was uh, last week, our 5 by 5 Thomas, who is here, Thomas, who's in the back. Thomas, give it up for Thomas. Uh, Thomas via video, uh, and then we had Samuel, who's not here, his wife, who's uh, a little bit prego, um, is feeling the pain this morning, so they're hanging out at home. Samuel's here, and then uh, Donnie was fantastic, and then Emma, uh, uh, and then Abby had to had to kind of not be here because she had gotten sick, so we had a four by five. Well, really four by seven. They all kind of, they all kind of cheated a little bit. They all saw that opening and took it. Uh, and it was awesome. I love, I love our church. I love the uh, the heart behind it. Um, and then we got the gallery this coming week. And then don't forget, the last Sunday of every year, we do C3 at home. Uh, so we will be an at-home service. So you can find it. You'll find it online. Uh, but you can hang out at the house, get some hot chocolate. We'll have had a long week of Christmas. And it just gives our teams and everyone who's worked so hard this year to serve and love people, uh, just gives them a Sunday to relax at home. We'll still have something for you to uh, take part in. All right, Revelation chapter 1, verse 8. I'm going to read it out of the New Living, and then I want to read it out of the message because I, I just love uh, one of the phrases that the message translation uses. Revelation chapter 1, verse 8, it says, I am, this is Jesus speaking, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord God. I am the one who is, who always was, and who is still to come, the Almighty One. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I am the one who is present, who was past, and who is still to come future. Message translation says it like this. The master declares, I'm A to Z. I'm the God who is, the God who was, and the God about to arrive. I love that. Advent season. Perfect. The God about to arrive. I'm the sovereign, strong. The master declares I'm A to Z. I'm the God who is, the God who was, and the God who is about to arrive. If you're new with us or if you haven't been around for a minute, we are going through this book, Honest Advent. How many of you guys have picked this up? How many of you guys got a copy of this? Raise your hand. Come on. Make everybody else feel better. I'm just joking. Anybody got the? Yeah. Some of you guys are looking at the uh, illustration behind me. Uh, I promise that's not the most controversial one. Um, <laughs> but these are, um, and we, and how many of you guys caught the Honest Advent chat with Scott Erickson, the author and illustrator for the book, this past Wednesday night? It's fantastic. We got another one this week with Pierre Duplicis from uh, upstate New York, uh, but he's not from New York. Um, he's actually one of the more brilliant, uh, kind, uh, generous leaders, pastors of church of uh, 10,000 people up there. 
uh, and uh, and the this is I just we think this says everything you need to know about him and why you should tune in this Wednesday. Um, here he is pastoring the church of well a lot of people from what I hear, and uh, and really smart genius guy. And I said, hey, you have any pictures that I can use to promote this the the, the chat Wednesday night? And he sent me a picture of him in his robe. And uh, I said, do you really want me? To, y'all didn't think that's funny. I thought it was funny. And uh, and a little weird. And I was like, is this bound? Is this crossing the line? And uh, and then he sent me other ones. But that's who he is. Humble, honest, just an authentic guy. And so we're in this series, Honest Advent, and talking through what it is to expect Jesus, what it is to see Jesus come, what it is to see Jesus show up, uh, what it is to wait and wonder, uh, and wait and wonder on the Savior, to think about, to meditate on, to dream about, to to expect, to have hope for. Uh, we often read our Bible from a place of it's already happened. Uh, many who would have been experiencing the story would have been wondering if it ever will. And so many of us, we, we, what, the reason we celebrate Advent, the reason we think about Easter, the reason you do Lent in, in a year, the reason you do some of these things, the reason that had been established in the church was to try and bring the story into uh, our, our, um, the, the things that we did. And so try to bring these things into a real tactile way of seeing them, that they weren't just some far off, some idea, some ethereal thing that, yeah, but to really understand what the people experienced when they experienced the birth of Jesus, what they experienced when they saw Jesus on the cross, what they experienced when the church was uh, born uh, through the Holy Spirit, to experience those things in a very real way. And Advent gives us an opportunity to kind of come back to a place of expectation. The thing about the beginning and the end, and I love this verse. I think it's a fantastic verse. I mean, you guys like it, right? Alpha and Omega. It's, it's, man, it's strong. It's a strong one. If you're going to rank the Bible verses in the Bible, which you shouldn't, they're all equal, I think. And uh, you, you, if you were to rank them, uh, you might throw this up there in the top. He's the beginning and the end. And when, when life gets a little bit difficult and you're not sure how the future is going to go, this one's a good one. Uh, who was and who is and who is to come. He was before, he is now, and he will be. Sometimes we're okay with the alpha part, which is the beginning. He, he's the beginning. And we're good with the ending part, which is, yeah, he's going to make this all okay. What we're not always great with is the present. It's this moment. It's not even tomorrow. Yeah, we worry about tomorrow, but we're like, yeah, sure, God's going to make it work because, remember, he's about to arrive. Remember, he is the omega. And we're not so worried necessarily always about our past, because, yeah, he, he started it, he's initiated, we believe all those things. What we get so caught up in and worried about is the middle. And sometimes when we read this Alpha and Omega verse, we read it as though he's the beginning, something happens in the middle, and he's the end. That he's kind of left us to figure out the B right to the Y. He's got the A covered, and he's got the Z covered, but the B to the Y, he's still figuring it out. Right, we get into these places where we, we're not really sure how today's supposed to work. I'm sure we'll sort it out tomorrow, and I'm, I'm sure I'll figure out what happened yesterday, but the present moment is, is difficult. But what you, you, and the message translation does it better, but what you have to understand is that the alpha and omega are actually letters in an alphabet. They're not simply words. They're letters in an alphabet. They, they, they really truly are. It's why the message says A to Z, because alpha is the beginning of the Greek, al- Greek alphabet, and, and, and omega is the end. It is to say that this is, this is the beginning of all, and he's the end of all, and, and here's what we have to catch. He's also all the other letters. 
He is everything else. Remember when we read early on when we moved into this building, we read Psalm 145. Do you guys remember that? We went line by line by line. And we found out that the, way, the writer of that poem had done something in that, which is something somewhat normal to Jewish tradition. He had written every line started with another letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Every line started with, in, in order, the letters of the Hebrew alphabet. And his purpose and desire in doing it that way was to say that every single letter Every word that could be written with every letter of this alphabet could, could, would still not be enough to describe the bigness and goodness of God. And so even in this Revelation 1, you, you, you begin to see the author John. He begins to write this, and he's speaking what the Lord is trying to speak to us, that he is both the beginning. Yes, we can all kind of get behind that idea. And he is the end. Yeah, we can all get behind that idea. But right now in 2020, is, is he God Almighty? Is he the king? Is he actually who he said he is? What do we do with this moment? What do we do with the meantime? What do we do with the in-between? See, the challenge of our day is, is often being present in our day. The challenge of this day often is being present in this day and not letting the worries of tomorrow or the hurts of the past ruin or mess with or shape or distort what this day is. In fact, if you really read through the scope of Scripture, what you begin to find is, is that God is over and over and over and over again trying to remind us to be present in this moment. Trying to remind us, while you can plan for the future, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Some, of, some people would try to tell you, don't worry about the f- tomorrow, because Jesus says don't worry about it. And I, I agree with that. Don't worry about it. It doesn't mean you can't think about it. But oftentimes, our thinking about tomorrow can turn into our anxiety about tomorrow, our worry about tomorrow, and even sometimes our planning of tomorrow. And and, and oftentimes, our planning can be a response to the worry of tomorrow. And that's when it begins begins to move into this place where we have lost the present moment because we are worried about the next moment. We are worried about the moment to be or the moment that was, and so we can't fully embrace the moment that is. We can't fully embrace this time, so we're losing the joy of our time with friends or family because we're worried about what's going to happen tomorrow or what's going to happen or what has happened yesterday. We begin to get frustrated with even the, I, I, I know there are times, in fact, if you read a book, there's a book by John Mark Homer called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, which is actually a quote from Dallas Willard, uh, really a brilliant writer. Uh, and, and he writes this whole book, and he talks about this idea that, that most of our anxiety and frustration comes because we're in too much of a hurry. My, my frustration with my kids, there's a lot of times where my frustration with my kids has much more to do with the fact that I'm trying to do something else, trying to get on with something else, trying to fix something else, trying to plan for something else, and I have not understood that I've got a child in front of me that just wants my attention. And Advent requires of us to come back to this place. I mean, the arrival of Jesus and the way he arrived required Mary, Joseph, and all those who were around to begin to take account for their day, what they thought was going to come and what had come, what they thought was going to be and what had been, what they thought was the way God was going to do it and the way he decided to do it. 
You could, uh, we, we talked about this in our team huddle this morning. One of my favorite verses in all the Bible, right? That, that this is the day that the Lord has made. And I will rejoice and be glad in it. Some of us read those verses as conditional statements. This is the day as long as it's gone well. well and I will rejoice as long as everything works out. It's the same reason we read, uh, God is great and greatly to be praised. We throw in, God is great, and today went well, so he will be greatly praised. None of these are conditional verses. They are all declarative verses. They're all statements of fact, not statements of condition. They are not telling you if your circumstances are right, this verse is true. They are saying this verse is true, so let it affect your circumstances. So this is the day. This one. I know you had a bad morning, but this is still the day. I know you're worried about how, what's going to happen. This is the day. I know yesterday went bad. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will. I'm, I'm, it's not I might. I'm not going to take inventory. I will rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day. Don't, don't worry about tomorrow, but remember, I'm here. This is the day. Be present. Show up in this moment. Understand I'm here. I am the alpha. I am the omega. I am the beginning, and I am the end, but I am also in the middle. I am also with you in the waiting. I'm also close to you in the moments you don't understand what's happening. I am here even now. I almost had Donnie come back up and let's sing, this is the day, this is the day that the Lord, maybe do it on double time. I will rejoice. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day. Hey, you're almost there. Brad didn't sing. That's okay. It's okay. It's okay. He's my brother-in-law. I'll make him sing later. I can't make Brad do anything, but he'll just sit there with his closed mouth grin and make me feel small. And what? I wasn't. No, what? I didn't. Why did you say all? Oh, did I just hit a? Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do that. I didn't. That might be prophetic. Then I might just be really beginning to step into that gifting now. Really just being able, yeah. This is the day the Lord has made. You know, it's an interesting thought when you read the chapter that this is all coming out of in Honest Advent. What you, you find the author Scott speaking to is this word breath, breathe. You ever get confused as to which one you're spelling? Is this breath or breathe? I don't know which one this means. To breathe, to take a second. You know, there's whole industries committed to the thing that you never think about. Breathing. You only think about it when you can't do it. You only think about it when you've lost your breath. Whether figuratively or literally, you, you lose your breath in a certain circumstance, a certain situation, and, and you don't think about your breathing until you need to try harder in doing it. And yet there's whole industries, there's whole, you, you, you can go, and if you just look up the power of breathing, you will find no end to the amount of articles and thought given 
to the intentionality of breathing. You will find an article on breathing on military.com. It's that important. I know that because I found it. That breathing, taking a moment, and here's the reason why. If I were to ask you right now to take a deep breath in, take a deep breath out, none of you did it, just me, you would think nothing but about breathing. There's something about taking a moment to breathe that kind of begins to block everything else out. I remember when we had Kason, our first child. Our second one, we didn't worry as much the same way. Our first child, when we had Kason, um, I remember how many times Meredith would nudge me and go, hey, run in there, make sure he's still breathing. Go in, and I would, I would, I would walk in, and he's asleep. I don't want to wake him up. It's 2 o'clock in the morning. I don't want to wake him up right now. So you'd walk in, right? You'd, you'd open the door as slowly as possible. You'd, you'd try to conjure up the, the ninja in you to try to somehow make it. You, 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 and, and some of the dads know exactly what I'm talking about. You, you really do try to think of yourself as a superhero because you just you can't do it in your own strength, right? You're, you're praying the whole way, Lord, help me in this moment. This is your day. You've made it. I will rejoice in what's about to happen. And you open that thing slowly. You do a barrel roll, maybe two, depending on where the crib is in the room. You pop your head up slowly. You, touch, you don't touch anything because the slight touch of anything can cause some kind of noise. You hold your shirt in so you don't bump it. You lean over and you just try to listen for the breathing of a baby when you can't hear them breathe. You're just trying. You don't turn on any lights. You're holding the monitor. You forget to turn it down. It feeds back. You turn it down real quick. You look at it. You look at him. You look at it again. You look at him. You think you're making progress and trying to see if the, the light's starting to show up, right? Your eyes are beginning to adjust. Does anyone relate? Anyone know what I'm talking about? You, you are, and you're just, I think so. I'm not entirely sure, which worries me, but I'm pretty sure. I don't think Mare's going to accept, pretty sure. I, I don't think I can go back in there and say, I mostly think he's breathing. I've got to get some conclusive evidence. So you start to look. Now you're looking. You can't hear. You, you can't really tell. You don't want to, like, touch his head or his back. Or, and so you're just watching for that little, that small little rise. Right? Just that little stomach, back, whatever. You're just looking for those moments to kind of just, just ever so slightly. And you see it a few times, and you're like, okay, good. We're good. And that's, and that's when you head, head back in, feeling like, you're the ninja that you know you are. And, and you go, I think he's good. I think he's good. You don't say you think. You say you know, even if you still just think. And now, even with the, you got the things you can put under the, the sheet that, like, measures your breathing, right? And they try, it, it alarms you every time that they aren't breathing. <laughs> it's just like, oh, God. What kind of anxiety? I don't know how I'm supposed to sleep. And you're still going to go in and check. I'm just saying, you can have that, but I'm still going in to check. That's just my guess. Breathing, this thing that, this baby didn't get a class on breathing. This little child who can't do anything on their own didn't learn how to breathe. They didn't get taught how to breathe. Nobody came in and said, I'm, let me just, they've got a six-week course, and then we can send them home with you. In fact, they do none of that. They just give you the baby after two days and say, hope you work it out. 
and they're still breathing without trying. One of the worst things that the church has done is separate the, what our body does from what our spirit does. We have created this weird distinction between the body and the spirit. Part of that is because we've, wor- we've read this word flesh as a literal interpretation of skin. That this body is evil and our spirit has to redeem it. That is not the way God created Adam and Eve. It is not, he created Adam and Eve as artwork. He created them as, as something to do as much as believe. And you and I have to begin to understand that our breathing, that the, what we do, it allows us to come into this moment. In fact, if you read through all these quotes on breathing, military.com, I'm going to quote it to you because I just thought it was that interesting. It is the first thing we do when we are born, and it is the last thing we do when we die. So it makes sense to become good at it. Though it may feel unnatural to breathe deeply, the practice comes with various benefits. Deep breaths are more efficient. They allow your body to fully exchange incoming oxygen with outgoing carbon dioxide. They have also been shown to slow the heartbeat, lower or stabilize blood pressure, and lower stress. Now, I'm not, I'm not trying to tell you that we're moving into the season of mindfulness. I'm just telling you that taking time to take advantage of this thing God has given you, this body that you have, this body that he decided to show up in as a baby, who I'm sure Joseph at times had to go in and check to see if he's breathing or not, by candlelight, just kind of hoping and wondering and going back into Mary and going, I'm positive he's still breathing. And yet even now, if you were to take extra time, if you were to take that extra moment and take a breath every once in a while, it's amazing how your body does what your spirit should do. Breathe in what you need, breathe out what you don't. To take in what you need and get rid of what you don't. To not breathe in is to lose the thing that would give us life, and to not breathe out is to hold in the thing that will try to steal it. Uh, To see us as people in Advent is an opportunity, especially after the year that many of us have had, to breathe in that the Savior has come and he's about to arrive. And to breathe out the times and the moments that we thought he didn't show up. To breathe out the hurts and the pains. To breathe out the poison that tries to take our spirit into a place that it is not meant to be. And to use our body, our mind, our heart, and our soul. Four things Jesus said to love us, love him fully with. And bring them into alignment and to take a second. Jesus often did this. Jesus would withdraw. He started the year withdrawing. He would withdraw to pray and return with decisions. Return with purpose. Return with the ideas. We've separated these things and... If the incarnation teaches us anything, it teaches us that that God actually does care about the body you have. In all its forms and in all its ways, God cares about the way we live our everyday life. The breathing in and the breathing out, sometimes involuntarily. I want you to think about this because breath, even in Genesis 2, one of my favorite verses of all the Bible, God shaped Adam and then breathed the breath of life. We, we can have our shape, but we need his spirit. The, the thing that animates the things he's given us to do is him. He is in partnership with us. 
But this idea of breath is actually translated ruach. And that word is actually spirit. That word is, is translated in many other places as spirit. You, and you see this, again, you see this throughout the Bible. The patterns God sets early on are the patterns you begin to see over and over and over and over again. The Old Testament is not wrong and the New Testament right. It is this progressive story of how God is unfolding who he is in heaven on earth. And so God has set these patterns of, of who we are and what we are to do. And this breath that he breathes in. But you see this word breath and spirit in so many other places throughout Scripture. You see the same word when, when the Holy Spirit shows up on the disciples and he births the church. The breath of God. You begin to see this throughout. And it's almost as though God is saying to you and to I, yes, I'm the beginning. And yes, I'm the end. And I'm also the breath in your lungs through it all. That even in the involuntary, unseen moments, the Holy Spirit is working. And in the intentional moments, he's working. When you show up on a Sunday for the explicit purpose of being with the saints and worshiping the Lord, he's working. And when you forget God is there on Monday morning when the boss walks in, he is still working. Because like the breath, he is moving in and out and through his body. So many of us consider us the end of all interpretation. As, as Mark Sayers would say, we consider ourselves at the end of history. That's why every generation thinks they figured it out. Until they grow up and realize we really screwed some things up. We all think that we can look at it and go, well, if I can't see God moving, then obviously he's not. I can't tell you how many times I've got up here to preach a message, gotten done with it, driven home with my wife, and said, babe, that was terrible. That was terrible. Yeah, I know. You should tell me how good it is more often. No, I'm so, I, I said, babe, I, that, was, that, that was not what I wanted to do. And then she'll go, man, well, you may have messed it up, but God didn't. Because this person came up to me, and this person came up to me, and this person came up to me and said this and this and this, and they were crying, and this is that. And, it, and it's both cool and also like a little deflating because the Holy Spirit's more in control than I am. But the reality of the situation here is that maybe Advent gives us an opportunity to go to check our heart. Let the doctor put the thing on our back. Go take a deep breath. I want to see what your working is. I want to see how your lungs are going. I want Our children had asthma when they were filming and uh, and uh, have pr- pretty much grown out of it, which thank God. And and that happens with a lot of kids, but. Uh, what it, asthma is, is basically like mucus getting caught up in your lungs and you can't take a full breath. Advent right now, your opportunity to clear all the junk. There might have been some things. Most likely were some things this year or 2019. Some of you, I remember sitting with Dave Emerson. I know what he went through, him and Stacia, who's back there serving our kids. Amazing. Just incredible. They walked into our church completely broken last year, 2019. Just completely broken. Mayor Solomon said they're a, key, they're, they're, they're a part of our future. They were just wondering if they had one. And I mean that in every sense of the word. They were completely broken. And, uh, and, and God has restored so much. He's still working on so much. Um, but, but God, in those moments, he's, he's the, 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 so he's, he's looking at 2020. He's telling me, he goes, I'm looking at 2020. I mean, yeah, it's difficult, but they should have lived my 2019. We all have our year. We all have our month and our week and our day. We all have them. The question is whether or not we'll get to the end of the day and go, 
begin to clear some of this stuff out, begin to remind ourselves even when we didn't notice it. Scott Erickson mentioned this on Wednesday night. We've, we've gotten a, a rid of what you would have heard about in the early church. Would have called, it was called the examine, and you would spend the evening, you would take some time. Hector and Megan were telling us they used to do this, and now they're going to begin to do it again. Uh, early on, they would end the day, and they would ask themselves three questions. Uh, they're getting married in February. Come on. Yay. And, um, and uh, they, they would ask themselves three questions. And I would wonder if you ended every day taking a deep breath and breathing out, and not just doing it physically, which is good for your body, and it helps you relax and slows your heart rate, probably helps you sleep better. Um, maybe get one of those breath strips. Um, those are cool. And, uh, and, and maybe you do that, but also spiritually go and take inventory of where God moved that you didn't notice. Of how good you have it even though you didn't think you did. Being present right now, even though all of culture and all of industry is trying to remind you that tomorrow's coming. Be more productive tomorrow. Be better with your emails tomorrow. Make sure you call that guy tomorrow. Make sure you do this thing tomorrow. And should you do those things? You should. But not at the expense of today. If you spend your whole life worrying about tomorrow, how in the world do you believe you're going to enjoy today? So maybe, just maybe, this Advent season, you think of Mary holding her child on her chest who was to be the Savior of the world, matching up her breath with his, in and out. The most uncomfortable position to lay in with a child on your chest and yet the most enjoyable, unforgettable kind of moment. Maybe it's to be reminded, Joseph walking in the room going, is the Savior still breathing? Is Jesus still alive? And I wonder, I just wonder, if you've asked yourself the same question this month, this year. And if this season of Advent, these next 10 to 12 days before Christmas, you could breathe in and breathe out. Trust God. Notice him. Be present. Not just be present to the moment, which is where maybe mindfulness would take you, but be present to the Savior. Be present to the beginning and the end and everything in between. Be present to the love. Be present to the strength. Be present to, to the vulnerability of a baby being the Savior. And be present to the fullness of Jesus on the cross and risen, be present to the God who speaks to you and I and says, I am the Almighty. As Scott Erickson says in his book, maybe the place we can experience the wonder of this season is in the moments we stop and listen to our very own breathing, to pay attention to the rhythm of Ruach already inside us, and to realize that God with us is not in a building we must journey to, but is in the animating breath of what makes us alive. Your breathing is a presence, is a sign of God's presence. And while everything else will compete for your attention, take a moment and realize that God is with you. Letter L, S, maybe back at F. Right? Why? 
God, are you here? Yeah, I'm still here. And I'm soon arriving. I both was and is, and I will be on the way. That is the God we serve. That is what Advent teaches us. That is what God is trying to remind us of in this season. Why don't you bow your heads? Lord, I thank you so much for today. God, I thank you that you are here now in this moment. Let the worries of tomorrow be saved for tomorrow. Let the frustrations of yesterday go back to yesterday. And Lord, let me be reminded that like my breath, even in the moments, I don't think a thing about it. In the 20,000 times I breathe every single day and never once worry about whether it's going to happen. God, I pray that in the 20,000 times <laughs> you move in and through. And I don't even worry about it. I don't even think about it. I don't even know about it. Sometimes I get frustrated that I don't know more about it. But that, God, you are at work. You are at work. And you are making valleys rise and mountains flow. And you are preparing the way for Jesus in us. So, God, as we breathe, yes, literally, but maybe more so figuratively, in our spirit, God, that you would breathe the ruach of heaven, that we would know the animating presence of God in our every single day living. Let us be more intentional about our breathing. Let us be more intentional about seeing and noticing you in every moment. As you come closer, I want to encourage you. Maybe you've never given your life to Jesus. You're not even sure what that phrase exactly means. I want to just say it in a few simple words. God, I give you my, my life. I give you my life. I know you'll help me figure this out. In fact, I step into the invitation you've been giving for a long time. I step into the work you've already been doing. I step into the breath that you've already given. God, this is not me trying to get you to come closer. It is, it is me opening my eyes to the fact that you're already close. A, B, C, D, and on. You are the alpha, the omega, and everything in between. You were, you are, and you will be. You are my soon-coming king, and you are my ever-present savior. You are the God who created it. You are the God who will redeem it. And you are the God who will get us from there to there. God, you are in this moment. So I give you my breath. I give you my all. I surrender it. You may not know Jesus. He knows you. You may not think you deserve him, but he's already close to you. You may not think you know how to love a God that you can't quite see, but he loves you fully and completely, and he has never stopped working for you to see that. So God, I pray in this Advent season, we would take a breath Breathe in the goodness, breathe in the life, breathe in the hope, breathe in the joy, breathe in the peace, breathe in the strength, breathe in the presence of God. And we would breathe out the hurt, the offense, the frustration. We'd breathe out the disappointments, 
We'd breathe out the lies and the insecurities. We'd breathe out the things that would try to poison what you are bringing to life. We'd breathe out all the things that get in the way of us fully breathing in. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.